Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, Olympic bigwigs fly in. Local cuts at Meta and Twitter. And it's all kicking off in Sydney Radio. Unmade. It's Monday, 14th November. I'm A Beauty and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. It's a rainy day in my corner of Tasmania. I presume it's the same for you as well. A little grey and rainy up here, but uh, yes, certainly a wet spring and probably a wet summer is the uh, the forecast I'm hearing. And you had a good weekend? Great weekend. Uh, kids sport yesterday and Saturday was a day, you know those days when you have nothing planned in your diary and things just happen? So good to have a bit of headspace, and that was one of those days for me on Saturday. How about yours? Yeah, very uh, very sport-focused, actually. So late night last night, or relatively late night, watching the T20 final, in which uh, England brought it home against Pakistan. And then it felt like a late night, because it was up again at 5am for the Brazilian Grand Prix. So lots of sports watching. Um, and then I'm... Um, uh, getting ready to pack my bags and head off for a quick trip to uh, to Melbourne um, this week for the uh, Unmade Pub event, which I've... <laughs> this is one of those things you just realise at the last minute when you're not an event organiser. I was just idly looking through my list of attendees because you know, I'll be printing out name badges. And then I realised, you know, our various uh, guests and, you know, we, we, we got some VIP guests. We got people who got their two tickets through there. Uh, unmade membership um mostly have just like ticked the two box which is fair enough because that was how it is so um half of the people coming aren't going to have name badges so um that was my little for some awkward conversations (laughs) well like i think i'm gonna have to bring along a couple of sharpies and have that kind of slightly amateurish handwritten name badges because i i can't think of another solution for that one as i i mostly don't know the names of the people's guests at this stage but hey you live and you learn and i'm sure it'll be a very good conversation We'll call it um, handcrafted and bespoke if you're writing names to the Sharpies, I think. Yes, handcrafted. That's an excellent (laughs) policy. Now, where should we start this week? Well, let's start with television. Lots of big sports rights deals wrapping up before the end of the year, Tim. Yeah, lots going on. So last week, um, the not entirely... Uh, unexpected news that Seven had extended its rights to the tennis. Um, that's a, a deal that's probably worth um, something around 85 million a year with Tennis Australia plus some contra on top. So that that's Nine's big summer sport which complements NRL in the rest of the year. So that one kind of landed last week. Um, And that, I suppose, changed the stakes a little bit for the cricket, which is um, also kind of... I'm not sure if I would quite describe it as the final stages, but certainly uh, close to the final stages. At the moment, those rights held by uh, Seven and Foxtel. So that includes... um, the short form T20 league, which 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 obviously we call Big Bash, um, involves one day internationals. It also involves um, Test cricket and women's cricket as well. So there's a lot up for grabs. Now we'll start with uh, the Australians media section today, which has got a bit of an update on that cricket. So um, uh, James Madden is reporting that actually we we are really getting towards the end. Um, suggesting that it looks like seven and nine probably are 
only going after the tests, um, which makes sense because, you know, for um, nine, it's a bit hard to balance cricket with tennis as well. Um, and seven has been very public that it's kind of fallen out of love with Cricket Australia over the quality of um, of, of, of Big Bash in the last year or two, uh, to the extent that that one's going legal. So um, the the as the Australian reports today, um, the parties who are bidding are being asked to get their bids in by the end of this week. Um, so I think we'll most likely see, and be surprised if we don't, something big come through from Paramount, owner of 10, not least because Big Bash did quite well when it was on 10 before, and also Paramount having missed out on AFL earlier in the year, just really needs it. Which I guess leaves the Olympics as the last big deal. Yeah, and I've been surprised how long this one's taken, really, given that you know the the last Summer Olympics deal was for the twenty twenty uh, Olympics, which obviously only eventually took place in twenty twenty one, and then Seven extended that relationship to take on the last Winter Olympics. But here we are with only about a year and a half to go till the twenty twenty four Olympics, and we still don't know who's going to um, have the rights. Uh, But the Sydney Morning Herald, and this is also reported um, over in The Age as well, Zoe Samios um, reports that two of the key senior players from uh, the IOC, the International Olympics Committee, are actually in town this week. Um, So they'll be talking to the key players. And up for grabs is Paris 2024, Los Angeles 2028 and both of those not not amazing time zones for Australia quite easy to lose money on for the for the networks which they often do but then really intriguingly the 2032 Olympics which are in Brisbane so obviously that's the big one so I don't think we're at the stage of them putting in bids this week. This is the get to know you. But I suspect that once everybody's looked each other in the eye, things will move quite fast from that point. You know, and, and the, you know, the game's changed a bit. Seven has had the rights to the Olympics for a long time, but also lost something like 50 million last time around, which probably gives them a little bit less appetite, although it's a great vehicle to launch new shows and new seasons from. Um, But yeah, we have uh, the whole streaming environment now, which really changes the game. And because this is such a long deal, you know, it's effectively for 12, you know, 12 years worth of Olympics, it's really going to lock things in for a very long time. So, you know, this one is, um, it's going to be quite important. And while we're on the subject of TV, who won last week's ratings? That's an easy answer, actually. Nine. Um, <laughs> really, thanks to the block on Sunday. It was the fine last Sunday. It was the final winner announcement of the block. You know where they do the auction. So total people going out um, metro um, kind of uh, as broadcast, just under one point seven million, and then obviously that grew through catch up viewing. Nothing else was close really last week. You know the the block was the only thing which which did live more than uh, or as live more than a, a, a million metro um, and it's just fascinating yeah looking at the rest of the week because there was you know such a big viewing spike for nine and then everything sort of settled down but it was a it was a two-way battle between nine and ten for the rest of the week but very comfortably for total people and all the key de- advertising demographics it was nine's week next radio reshuffles 
So Nine made an announcement of the future of its 2GB drive time slot this morning, Tim. They did, yes. The press release came in uh, just after 6am. It it actually sort of broken over the weekend as a news story. So again, not a complete um, surprise. But yeah, Jim Wilson is 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 out from drive time for 2GB in Sydney. That, that was announced a few days back. And Chris O'Keefe is Wilson's successor. Now, Something which didn't get talked about that much on the day that Wilson announced he was stepping down was the reasons why. So I've, I just pulled, because it, it wasn't very long. He's only been in the role since 2020. So I just pulled up some of the ratings numbers from back then to try and get a sense why. Um, and the, the reason that, um, Jim Wilson got that slot was it was the usual kind of, um, um, shuffling of chairs that happens in radio. So Ben Fordham, who'd had the um, drive time slot, and it was the top commercial show in Sydney, which, you know, some in Melbourne might argue otherwise, but arguably makes it the top um, commercial drive time show in in Australia. Um, so Ben Fordham had um, bequeathed an average audience, that's average listening audience of how many people listening you know, at the given time of 62,000 people. Um, so that was in mid-2020. And two years later, that 62,000 people has become 44,000. Um, so a drop of a third of the audience, effectively. Now, this is with the caveat that the drive time slot that the radio ratings measure or, or make publicly available is is four till seven, whereas um, the 2GB drive show starts and finishes an hour earlier than that. So it's not a precise match, but you saw a similar pattern in the afternoon slot as well. So yeah, it did, it did just look that for whatever reason, the 2GB audience didn't take to Jim Wilson. So we'll see now whether Chris O'Keefe does any better. And as you mentioned earlier, the radio ratings came out last week and you were looking quite closely at those Sydney numbers, a little bit suspicious of Kyle and Jack's figures. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, and I, I I don't think I'm suspicious in, in the way that I think somebody's done something questionable or dodgy. Just be careful because you could be on the end of a tirade from Kyle if you're too suspicious. Well, yes, I will try to be careful with that. But but there's, there's something which just seems to, defy logic so the show um delivered a cumulative audience so that's the number of people over a listening week who tuned in you know at least once of well over eight hundred thousand, um and that absolutely smashed all records and then the um the the, the set of ratings before they delivered an audience of over 700,000, which had also smashed records. And the one before that, they jumped up to just over 600,000. So there's been this absolute huge jump, nearly a 70% jump in audience over um, not much more than a year. Now, it's a great show. It's very talented presenters. Um it's um, has its moments of controversy, which of course then gets talked about, and then people remember them when it comes to the survey, which could be one of the explanations. But that's happened plenty of times before, so I just don't get why the jump is so big this time. There's never, you know, what I, I, I put it on a graph, which which I then published and I made um, during the week, and that's where it becomes clear just what an anomaly it is 
so yeah, it probably deserves, I mean, I'm sure it deserves to be the number one show, but there's something in those numbers that makes me think there's been some sort of sampling error or just something strange in how those ratings were prepared. Do you have suspicions? Would you go so far as to say there are stooges being planted or is that a bit... Hey, look, again, I wouldn't say being planted, but of course what you do get is, you know, the the way that radio works, the way that TV works is random members of the public are asked to, in radio's um, uh, case, keep a diary and TVs press the box. And definitely I I remember, for instance, hearing um, Sam Mack is now um, the Sunrise Weather presenter talking about how um, when he was younger being, and I can't remember if it was his house or a friend's house, uh, where they had an Austan box and they just amused themselves by, you know, uh, programming in that, you know, there were 20 people all watching the same show and they, you know, something kind of small and then suddenly there was a big ratings spike in in Adelaide or wherever it took place. So so it is possible to to to, to kind of, um, get around all of the, you know, all of the kind of the the the, the science that the the ratings companies, in this case, it's GFK who do the ratings for 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 radio, do try to put in place. If if, for instance, there's just an absolute diehard fan or two who just tick all of the boxes. But the strange thing for Cume is it takes a lot of those diehard fans. So I I can't figure it out. Um, we'll see what happens in the next couple of surveys. I wouldn't be surprised if it starts returning to more normal-ish numbers. And, and speaking of Colin, Jackie, a, a development there this morning. Yeah, that's right. Um, not quite as exciting as when I saw the breaking news alert arrive from the Daily Mail just before we started recording that Jackie O is stepping down, as they put it. Looks like probably until the end of the ratings year. Um, sounds like maybe she's got some sort of version of long COVID and she's just been struggling. So the doctor's advice has been to um, to take a rest. So she came on air to say that she won't be on. Um, you know, we're you know we're, we're in the last ratings period now. We're probably almost halfway through actually. So I don't think it will hit their final set of ratings for the year. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um, you know, it's, it's 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 yet another twist in that Sydney radio battleground. Next, a wild week in social media. Unmade. So there's lots to cover off today around digital platforms and media regulation. Tim, let's start with what's in this morning's Australian Financial Review. Yeah, one of the AFR pieces is they're looking um, at the review that's been going on out of um, the ACCC and the government into the news media bargaining code. So this was the thing which created the framework or environment for Google and for Facebook to do the deals with the big media owners to effectively um, agree to give them all a big chunk of money um, in exchange for the government then not designating them under the news media bargaining code, which would have sort of forced them to then go into arbitration. So it's, it's looking at how that, that, that works. And very broadly, the big publishers, the one who got the money, they're happy with it. Um, surprise, surprise. Um, you know, so we'll see whether that's enough for Treasury or whether they want to see more happen for the small players. Uh, one of the intriguing things is, Google's certainly been more cooperative in doing deals with more people than Facebook has. There are a number of people, not least 
SBS, who Facebook didn't make arrangements with. And we're actually getting to the point quite soon of wondering what happens for Facebook and its parent company, Meta, do when the most people seem to think it's a three year arrangement. So we're, you know, we're more than halfway through now. When that arrangement comes to an end, will Facebook renew? The rumblings are starting to happen that maybe they won't. And then, of course, we might actually get to the case of what happens when they do get designated under the code. And the government is also looking at media regulations. So let's turn to the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age for this one. Communications Minister Michelle Rowland has been working on an overhaul of um, the, the, the regulations for Australia's media landscape, which um, has really always lagged behind. It feels like each communications minister that comes along doesn't do very much because there are so many interested parties who are quite influential. Sometimes it's just easier to leave the status quo. And um, Michelle Rowland actually makes the point that things are kind of stuck in a rut, um, you know, arguing that her predecessors did very little. And that, I think, is a is a fair point. So she's going to be speaking um, today at the, um, there's an event called the Communication Communications and Media Law Association seminar today. And I must admit, I, until this moment, I wasn't aware there was a Communications and Media Law Association. Um, but uh, but yeah, she'll, she'll set out some of her reform priorities. So that's going to be um, interesting to watch. Um, I think it'll be one of those ones that's a bit of a slow burn. And while we're talking about the platforms, there are layoffs at Meta and Twitter. Yeah, sticking with the Sydney Morning Herald on the Age, um, they're making the point that um, you know we we knew that the meta layoffs had begun around the world last week um, as a percentage smaller than the Twitter layoffs, but in absolute numbers because it's a larger organisation, much bigger um, now, possibly because Australia's. Um, employment laws are a bit tighter. That might be why we've been just at the consultation stage so far locally. But I think we'll begin to um, uh, see what the 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 the, the, the cuts are. Um, at, you know, over at um, over at Meta, and then Twitter. As far as I can tell, just about nobody's left. You know, I still haven't been able to reach a real human at Twitter since all this went on. You know, even calling the the people I understood to be their PR agency, they literally don't return calls. So, um, you know, there's a there's a, a lot gone on there. And again, overnight from when we recorded this on Monday morning, it's been reported out of the US that Twitter has done another another round of cuts, this time to most people who were paid contractors. And these are often the people doing the moderation, um, the content moderation side of things. Um, and again, been done in a very messy way people finding out they don't work for the organization anymore when they just can't log in anymore so there's not been any proper internal announcement but um yeah it looks like we're entering um what i guess will be a third week of chaos at twitter since elon musk took over after we recorded the podcast uh, last week actually i was talking to a marketing consultant based in hobart who uh, was saying elon in his mind elon's building uh, an app, a super app with uh, dating, finance, using his obviously PayPal and eBay background and, and contacts there, an all-in-one super app, and then using obviously Twitter to make it a social media app as well. What, do you have any thoughts on that? What what he's actually doing? What the play is? 
Yeah, I'm often very influenced by the Pivot podcast, which Scott Galloway presents in the US with uh, Cara Swisher. And that's something Galloway has talked about for a while, is this this idea that um, if you can put together two or three services, it can be something that's really powerful. Now, obviously, what Twitter does have is massive reach. So if that could also be a... Uh, trusted money transfer system, for instance. So in other words, you know, you're both on Twitter, you add in a token here, you owe your friend over in London, you know, 10 bucks for some reason. So you can transfer it via Twitter. Then you could, you, you can see how that would bring real utility. I think the, the question or the problem is there's been such chaos. Um, so many of the kind of the privacy people, the, regulatory people have either been fired or resigned there's a real trust issue now that you could a trust elon Musk to do the the right thing but also just the organization itself to look after your data so i suspect one of the big problems for twitter going forward is gonna be there's just such skepticism about it that anything that is kind of vaguely sensitive would you really trust it that's it for today Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. Let us know what you think at letters at unmade.media. And don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. See you next time. Toodle pep. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.